guys, welcome to another episode of Unpublished. We have a wonderful guest for you today, Sarah Werner. She is the host of the Right Now podcast, spelled W-R-I-T-E, and the star of the Girl in Space podcast. Welcome, Sarah. We are so happy to have you here, Sarah. I'm so excited to talk. Well, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am a huge fan of Unpublished and all of your work. And we can, I can gush about that throughout our conversation today. So I'm just excited to be here. And I just want to preface this for anyone listening that so what both Amy and I are also reciprocate fully Sarah's feelings. We love her podcast. And if you haven't seen or listened, well, I guess not seen, listened to either of Sarah's podcasts, you have to check them out. I honestly, something, I just want to just gush a little bit to start with. Just there's oh such an amazing, both Polish, but authenticity about your podcast, like you know, Amy and I, we just rock up, you know, it's very who we are, you know, we just rock up and we just record a podcast, but yours, like if you listen to Sarah's podcast on particular topics, it's so clear how much thought goes into every episode. And it's just, I mean, that's for right now. And then obviously Girl in Space takes it to a whole nother level because we've got a whole <laughs> ensemble cast of people who are all sounding amazing and it's so thought through, but even her, the right now podcast as well, it's like, if you like our podcast and you want like a very polished kind of well thought out version of that kind of rambling <laughs> chains of thought you have to listen to Sarah Popper and I'll put all the details in the show notes of course, of course for everyone to listen to it's oh so gosh, exciting it it's such an art form and we're just so excited to talk about podcasting as art and like what you do as art but we'd be so keen to hear a bit of your story as to how you came to this craft Sarah oh my gosh well thank you for asking um <laughs> so I started podcasting back in my my first show launched in 2015 but I started looking into podcasting in 2013 2014 um I was blogging and I was writing and I was not getting any traction and it was very frustrating. And I'm sure your listeners can relate to yeah. that, not being seen. It's just so frustrating to put your heart and soul into something and then feel like you're not uh, doing it for an audience. Yeah. And there is worth in doing something for yourself, as we all know, but it's still really nice if you're putting a lot of time and effort into something to have it resonate with others. And so um, I was talking with uh, my good friend, Peter, I was working at a marketing firm at the time. And um, my friend, Peter was like, well, you know, what's big these days, what's really up and coming are podcasts. And I was like, oh, I've never listened to one. And so, yeah, so I was like, well, you know, there's not a lot of podcasts for writers. There's not a lot of podcasts by women right now. Like mm. I think at the time that I started podcasts were something like 80, 80 or more percent male. Like it was just very wow. male dominated. Yeah. Just Tim Ferriss and, like, and Joe Rogan talking to it, each other. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh. Yes. That's exactly what it was. And um, so I was just like, you know what, I'm going to start an experiment. I'm just going to like transfer my blog into a podcast. And so I just started, um, it took me a year to like get up my courage and to like figure out equipment and like figure out how do you talk into a mic and am I ready to do this? Mm. Um, but really it was just a, a transition from the spoken or from the written word to the spoken word. And I found that I really loved it. I really loved it. And Amy, I was watching uh, your latest masterclass last night. And you were talking about how podcasting and even doing live streams has made you a better public speaker. Mm. And that was really when my career started to take off is um, I started getting invitations to do speaking gigs. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then the freelance gigs started coming and I got opportunities to ghostwrite books. 
and I got to meet cool people and interview cool people. And it just, it really exploded my writing career in a way that I had not planned. Um, similarly, yeah. oh, sorry, sorry. I'm no, like, no, just- no, it's okay. No, no, I'm just so, I just, I fucking love just witnessing this story and witnessing your success and your creativity. And I think this is one of those beautiful things that we need to talk about because this wasn't, you know, the traditional way to find success. This was a, you know, a beautiful story of pivoting, of exploring different avenues of creativity. And I'm just like indulging in it. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted no. to really quickly say that. I love it. It's such an amazing story because, and as you say, like you look at you now and you look like such a polished, amazing speaker, everything looks so natural, but obviously it wouldn't have felt that way when you first started out. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) But that's what, I mean, that's what we feel like too. Like when listening back to, it's not even up on the website anymore or not on the feed anymore, but Amy's first podcast, it was. Yeah. It's a learning curve. So different. It's Mm. such, and I think that's what people think. It's like, I'm not amazing at this right now. So I'm not right now. (gasps) I know. So, um, so I'm not even going to, I'm not going to, I've recorded something and it didn't sound exactly how I wanted to sound. It sounds, I'm not going to even put it up, but mm. I think there's such a journey and that journey is so worth taking. Mm. Totally. That resonates so much, James, what you said just now about, you know, when I immediately start, it's frustrating because I'm not a master at it. And sorry, I've been thinking about mastery a lot because of your masterclass, but Mm. you know, it's, oh, it's so frustrating the path of getting there because, you know, we look at, um, people who have done what we want to do. So, you know, we read a novel and we say, oh, I understand the level of skill that it takes to write this novel or the level of skill that it takes to produce this podcast. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to compare, uh, my version with this published version, Mm. not not even thinking about all of the drafts that it went through, all of the revisions it went through. Um, so it's, it, it, it is frustrating when you first start. My, my first episode of the Right Now podcast is very cringy. And <laughs> I even think my first episode of Girl in Space, even though that came several years later, I listen to it now and it's cringy. But I, f- I feel like that's a good thing because like you said, it shows that we're learning. And also, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it doesn't seem that way at all. So that just, you know, that shows in your own head, your value of what is cringy and what isn't is so different to what, you know, me or Amy, when we listen to that first episode of Girl in Space, the word cringy doesn't come up in the slightest, you know, it's like, but of course, <laughs> when you read your own or listen to your own stuff, it's like, so hard, yeah. it's so hard. I know I was going, I'm going to this with my, with my current novel. I just hate it. Mm. I hate it so much. Like, I just can't believe where it's at but when I look at it objectively it is still better than my previous novel Mm. but it's just not there yet it's just not there yet and it's so hard that's so frustrating does that keep you from creating it definitely the last few weeks I've definitely found it way harder to turn up like am I I'm sitting at the desk and writing like I'm still sitting at the desk but I'm getting much less done in that block of time I'm sitting at the desk just Mm. I can't face it there's a lot more procrastination there's a lot more avoidance Mm. we need to come come home to that fact that we're not the best judges of our own work and like it's a very hard thing to believe but it's really true (laughs) it Mm. is oh my gosh that's such a good point I'm jumping ahead a bit because I was going to ask you a bit more about girl in space later but you know I wonder what it was like having that collaborative I mean for those of you who don't know I mean it's a little bit of a spoiler but Sarah isn't the only voice in Girl in Space. It's a big ensemble cast. And what was it like creating in a group like that? Like writing, with a, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what the process was like. Did, was it collab, was the writing process collaborative as well? Oh man, um, no. <laughs> and this, is, this was really weird for me. So um, 
I think maybe like many of your listeners, I started off as a novelist, right? And I've got this drawer full of unpublished novels, which is why I started listening to your podcast in the first place. I was like, oh, I'm unpublished. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got a whole drawer. <laughs> and um, so, so for me, um, it, it was so weird because I'd read novels. I love novels. I, I've just gorged myself on novels just as long as I can remember. And I, I like poetry too, but it's mostly novels. And writing Girl in Space, again, was a huge pivot because that's a, essentially you write it in a screenplay format. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm writing a script all of a sudden. And I guess that just means that I'm writing a novel, but there's no description and no, you know, there's no like thoughts that are shared. And so I just kind of like flailed my way through it. And, um, kind of relied, I relied on a few cliches and tropes. So, you know, she's like speaking to someone else. So she's essentially narrating the story. So it's not all dialogue. Um, but it was really weird. The first time I gave a script to the actors that I was working with. And at this time, the actors, let's be honest, were my brother-in-law's roommates. Like that's, <laughs> that's who's, and I like Charlotte, so the amazing. AI. Oh, I was thinking, yeah, they're really freaking good. I know. (laughs) That's why I'm always like, cast your friends and family. They'll surprise you. Like Charlotte AI. That's my mother-in-law. Fuck off. That's so cool. I know. We just recorded in her basement. We're just like, you know, drinking. I love Charlotte. The um, helpful but unhelpful AI is one of my favorite. I actually have a helpful but unhelpful AI in my current novel. And I just love writing them. It's the best. I love their character. I love it. It's just so fun to like see them just like getting in the way of everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're a metaphor for life. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, um, it was really weird and very uncomfortable to hear the words I had written read by other people for the first time. Oh, it was so uncomfortable because like, so not only did I hear my words read back to me in somebody else's voice, and I knew that I was taking their time and energy to do this, which induced guilt, but also it made me realize that I needed to brush up uh, my dialogue writing skills because Mm. the actors were like, they'd flub over a line and I'd be like, oh, I should rewrite that. You know, it doesn't sound natural. It was a great crash course in writing natural dialogue um, is to write it and then have someone else read it and force yourself to listen to it. Um, Yeah, amazing, amazing. (laughs) I I just love how this like create like all of these different types of creation all serve each other and help you grow as a creator and a writer I think it's so cool when you chose to go in this direction did you feel what were the narratives in your mind in terms of moving away from being a novel writer and trying something else and can I add to that question as well because you obviously you originally built your platform as uh, the right as the right now podcast and then years later you and Amy's facing something similar now Years later, you were like, hey, come and also love me for my fiction writing as well. And what was that transition like? Mm. Sorry to build the question no. so much. There. No, this is fantastic. And this is, oh my gosh, this is like everything. And and oh my gosh. Okay, so I want to address first, um, those of you who are listening can't see behind me, but I have behind me as a bookshelf. And this is part of my novel collection. It's only, these are my favorites are the ones behind me. So like, I have a problem. I have too many books. I love books. And for a long time, I looked up to books and authors as like gods, Mm. like I venerated authors. And like, if there was a chance to go to a book signing by someone, like I was there, like 
authors have always been my heroes. And the, the thought of writing my own novel was always very tantalizing. And it was like, oh, I want to do this. Because if you love something, I think you tend to emulate it a little mm -hmm. bit. And you want to, um, you want to create your own, you want to have your own voice in the world. And so it, it, it was so weird to essentially shelve several novels that I had written and then to put my priority into writing this, I mean, essentially it's like a, a radio play and it's like, what am, what am I doing? This isn't my passion. You know, this isn't my thing, but it ended up becoming the thing that I was known for. And I like, I sold movie rights, like it, it like blew up, but I still feel like this disconnect between like, oh, it was always my secret dream to like have my book on the shelf with all of these others but I found success in this unrelated thing. And it's, you know, mm, it's so hard to talk about. And, and sometimes I wonder, am I ever going to write a novel? Because, you know, my audience is on the podcasting side of things. They're in the audio drama world. They're, you know, they're listening to podcasts and listening mm -hmm. to scripted podcasts. And if I wrote a novel, like, oh, I would have to like build my audience over again. I, you know, um, totally. Oh, it's just, so I, and I, and I know Amy that you're going through something like that too. Yeah. And that goes into, into James's question about, can you remind me your question? Cause I feel like it, it was, was just, something about this. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, I touched on it for sure. It was, it was, um, what was it like, you know, when people had known you for your right novel, now, your right now platform, mm -hmm. sort of the more nonfiction side of things to then ask them to see you as a fiction person. Yeah. Oh, it was weird. And I thought that I was going to get a lot of carryover um, because the, at that point, the Right Now podcast had been out for two and a half years. And I was like, hey, guys, come check out my new show. And like my audience did not travel over to the other side. Mm, so interesting. Some of them did. I know. I know. It's so weird. Some of them did, but like a lot of them didn't. Um, but I actually ended up, Girl in Space ended up getting and an kind of blew past the Right Now podcast with audience. And so um, oh, so I've got the right now podcast, I've got girl in space. And then I've also got like this future dream of writing novels. And it's like, am I going to have to do this again and build a yeah. third audience? You know, it just, it just feels, it feels exhausting. Mm -hmm. And and that's really why I've been, um, I don't know, trying to push more into personal branding. Um, sorry, there's a loud car going past. That's okay. Um, and, and really, put myself at the oh gosh this is gonna sound like really unhumble whatever the right word I'm about to agree with you with what okay. you're about to say though so <laughs> yeah yeah and it's so like if you go to my website my face is yeah. there it's not yeah. my show it's not girl in space it's not it's whatever Sarah. future novel it's exactly and so I'm banking mm. on the fact that like if I can get known for me, then the yeah. audience will follow me and not necessarily a yeah. specific work. So yeah. That's exactly where I am at the moment. And for those who, who don't know, I'm pivoting uh, because I'm about to launch my first fiction book, which is again, just like Sarah, like I'm a novelist. That's why I talk about creativity. Like I write books, it's in my soul. Um, but I'm known for talking about creativity. I'm known for my nonfiction work. I'm known for my speaking. And so doing that pivot exactly like you, Sarah, is, you know, scary. 
and I know that I'm not going to be able to bring everyone over. I'm, I'm going to have to create a new audience. And, and for all artists, it's such a big deal. It's so scary having to, you know, face that newness and have to convince people of yourself all over again. But exactly as you say, for me, in a, just a business standpoint, I want my branding and I want, you know, the way that I put myself out there in the world to be Amy, so that you follow me in what I do and you're interested in what I create rather than just interested in my projects. The loyalty is with the creator, which I think is really where we're going nowadays is that people are much more loyal to, to the creator because we get to see the behind the scenes and we get to know the creator rather than just getting addicted to like, the product. I think about some yeah. of my favorite authors, John and Hank Green, and how I knew Hank Green from who were the Vlogbrothers. I knew Hank Green from their YouTube channel and he wrote a fiction book and I was like I'm gonna read this for Hank yeah yes. and I loved it and it was so worth it but it's like I didn't jump into that because I kind of trusted him as a fictional I, I jumped into it because I trusted him as a personality mm, yeah yeah I feel awesome. like I feel like that is so key like a lot of the books behind me I bought because um I'm not going to like call out any names, but like, <laughs> yeah. just because I, I trusted that person, I trusted that individual, like, and Amy, even you as an example, I think I found you through Instagram mm -hmm. and I just, you know, the, in, in sales, they call this no like, and trust, right? So you start off, you know them, and then you begin to like them and then you begin to trust them. And it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but your Instagram really got people, myself included into the no like trust funnel to where I think when you first launched your journaling masterclass, I was like, boom, I bought it. <laughs> I didn't even look at the sales page. I just bought it. And, uh, and the same thing is true with the inspired collective. And then, um, and then your, your other books as well. Like I mm. just, I'm like, Amy, bye. Yeah. Like, it's just like a, a Pavlovian response. You know. <laughs> Thank you. So I, true. And yeah. that's why we always in the podcast talk so much about, I know, I feel people are sick of hearing about it, but and it's such a buzzword nowadays, but building your platform. And it's like mm. some people really I I mean I personally cringe away from it. I, I feel like do it's you? like something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, like the doing the podcast and like occasionally appearing um in the background of Amy is like takes so much effort for me. And it's so anti who I would be. Like if it wasn't for Amy, I think I would do a really bad job of it. And yet here I am preaching it to everyone. <laughs> and it's like because I know I can see that it works. It, it works and I'm lucky that I have Amy to drag me through it and I want to try and drag other people through it too. Just one big chain. Yeah. <laughs> just all these creators just dragging each other through the mud. That, honestly, that's what we should be doing for each other. hundred yeah. percent. And even just like, I mean, I'm just so excited for all that you're doing, Sarah, and all that, you know, you are going to create and the thought of listening, you know, like even like listening on Audible, like I listen to a lot of books, like the thought of oh, getting yeah. to listen to your books, you know, would be so exciting because you, your voice is just so spectacular and you're just so good at what you do. Mm, that's, yeah, I mean, we... <laughs> Well, that's actually why, you know, that's an, another plug for the Girl in Space podcast is if you're not into narrative podcasts, it's just like, it's a, it's a free audiobook <laughs> performed by yeah. a cast of people. Like, it's awesome. And Thank you. It's just, it's such an innovative new platform and it's just so cool to see people diving into it. Mm. And it's so fresh. I think people really feel like, oh, podcasts, uh, it's too late for me to start a podcast or something, mm. but it's really still, I mean, I don't know what your feeling is, but I still feel like it's still new. It's still one of mm -hmm. the newest things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, yeah. And, and, you know, we were talking about this very briefly earlier about pivoting away from traditional publishing yeah. and into, into something without 
as many gatekeepers. Um, you can still get on the ground floor and have a very successful indie podcast in a way that I don't think you could do that with like an indie produced TV show or yeah. you know, anything like that. Um, and, and maybe the same thing is true of like an independently published book as well. But for some reason, um, when you create a podcast and you publish it to, you know, the Apple podcast store or Spotify or iHeartRadio or wherever your show ends up, um, you're there right next to everyone else. Like you are in the same bucket and like people yeah. can reach and pick your show or they can pick. I remember when I first launched Girl in Space, I was right next to, I was between two other shows on the charts and it was uh, LeVar Burton Reads and RuPaul's Drag Race, the podcast. <laughs> like my show is like between I love it. I was like, how did I get here? Like, I love it. I think it's but, such an incredible platform. And I like, I do, I speak to so many people. I'm like, you should start a podcast. And I think I, it's, it's better than social media. There's not that like algorithm pain that's there. There's not like the likes pain that there. It's a real pure mm. form of art. One of the only spaces that I really feel like is divorced away from gatekeepers and also divorced away from that kind of social media toxicity too. And it's a place to just be seen and to articulate and to create. And it might not be your craft. And I think that's when I get really frustrated at people. They're like, you know, I'm not a speaker. I'm a writer. I'm a painter. I'm like, but this is... You know, like I just I want to see creators have more flexibility there now in order for them to recognize that they are the creation and they have so much to give in so many different ways to build their creative career in so many different platforms and in so many different spaces I love that absolutely absolutely that's everything Mm. And yet it also, I think sets us up. It can be scary. Like, oh my gosh, I have to be good at everything. Yeah. Like, and it's, that's something that I went through. So I, I had my podcast and I had, you know, blogs and I was like doing other things. I was public speaking and I went to a, a conference and they were like, you've got to be on video. And I'm like, I draw the line at video. I nobody <laughs> know. Like I'm very self-conscious about how I look. Like if I'm going to be on video, I need an hour to like put on makeup and make sure I look okay. I'm just very self-conscious and it's just like, oh, do I have to do all the things? Mm. And, and so I don't know. And that's, um, I think that's probably something that a lot of creators struggle with. Yeah. So, that's that, such so a great like, point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And I can see that what I just said could feel like a huge amount of pressure on creators being like, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to be in this platform. I've got to be on this platform in order to succeed. And it, it just feels like too much. And I think what I would say to that, and it's classic, Amy, is you don't have to do all the things well. Mm, oh, and, uh, you know, you don't have to be a professional podcaster, just like neither of us were when we started. And I'm, we're still, you know, yeah. what the fuck are we even doing? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. Literally, we show up every day to our podcast and we're like, All right, let's go. Today. <laughs> I talk into this thing. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the creatives, especially when you're diving into a new space um, that feels so foreign and perhaps you've consumed media from people who are, you know, are much further along on the journey, the pressure is so high, but I'm, I mean, I just continually come back to just make just shitty art. And when we mm. choose to, I, again, like I just, I'm so repetitive, but like if you're showing up generously and vulnerably and, and, you know, really shining through who it is that you are like there's going to be value there whether you need to improve on the skill or not um and so for me that's how I would approach it and so instead of feeling like oh I've got to do everything I've got to do it all really well like first of all you don't have to do everything 
and you don't have to do it really well. Just pick and choose the places where you can show up and experiment and play and get curious about stuff and where you have the opportunity to be witnessed because we, we need to witness you. Hmm. There's so much. I love that. I know. I love that. I love that. And also I want to say you're not being repetitive. Um, I read somewhere that people need to hear something like seven times before the message actually sinks in. So you keep, keep going. I'll keep going. I'll keep keep saying that. Um, (laughs) but, but what you were saying with, um, the word experiment there for me, there was so much freedom in that. There's so much freedom in that because, um, sorry, I, I read a lot of like random stuff and I read somewhere that it's actually impossible for an experiment to fail because when you experiment with something, there's not a set outcome. You're just experimenting mm-hmm. just to see, like you might have a theory about what's going to happen or a hypothesis, but the experiment can't actually fail. I love it. And that's just, oh, there's so much freedom in that for me. So I started Girl in Space as an experiment just to see mm-hmm. like, Hey, so I found some success with nonfiction podcasting. What would it be like to tell a story in this space and just not tie my ego to it? And just to say, I'm experimenting and yes. that feels really good. Mm, so I love it. No, I, I think it's so important. And I think like continuing on to that train of thought, there can be so much freedom in pivoting and looking at other creative spaces because often we put a lot of pressure on our primary craft. So I'm a novelist. And so if I'm going to call myself a novelist, I need to be really good at it. But if, you know, I'm not a podcaster. I mean, I am a podcaster because I podcast, but like it's not my craft. So there's freedom there. And in the different avenues that you go down, you know, I'm not an influencer. So all my social media can be scrappy. And, you know, just giving yourself permission to be a fucking hot mess wherever i love it that, it I love gives it. you energy it does it does I'm like now, Sarah, yeah. do you think of yourself as a podcaster primarily or, or do you do you does that not really come up in your head gosh that's that's such a weird and int- now it's not a weird question it's such yeah. an interesting question and i feel very weird about it because i do <laughs> like when i go to like write my linkedin bio or whatever i'm like what am I exactly? And so I'll put like podcaster, writer, editor, ghostwriter, speaker. Like I, I, you know, when you do like a million things, it's really hard to boil down what you want other people to see as your identity. And it it's like, hard. it will, and it's, it's hard because um, you also get to define what that means and like, mm-hmm. which is beautifully freeing, but at the same time, it's like, what am I going to pin myself down as? Right. And so like recently I've just been writing like executive producer, comma writer. Oh, and it's like, it. and, and I, I love that. Like, Thank you. Yes. <laughs> you got to find something that just makes you feel free. You do. Um, CEO. I mean, like you run it. Yeah. It's your own business. It's a business. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, and that's CEO, what we, yeah. Yeah. We always encourage. Professional. Exactly. Like we always encourage people to think of their creative career as a business and I feel like that's something that you embody really well as well Mm. thank you my gosh yeah yeah I'd love to chat a little bit about like what it is to be a creative full-time and like self-employed and how your relationship changed when you Mm. started this journey and how your relationship changed with yourself I mean we were just talking today before we came on here about how hard it is to be your own boss when you're not feeling well when you give yourself permission slips like what's your journey been like Mm. in terms of that 
Oh gosh. Oh gosh. It's been, it's been huge. Um, so I started, I worked for 10 years in marketing. So I worked uh, five years in traditional marketing for a bank. So I was making like billboards and like radio ads and stuff. And then I moved over to digital marketing uh, at a firm where I just did digital marketing. And so that was like, you know, uh, websites and like writing ad copy for like Google ads and, and doing content strategy work and, and IU or excuse me, UI UX stuff. Um, and, and I started my first podcast while I was doing that. Oh. And, um, oh my gosh, I joined a mastermind group. So right after I had started the right now podcast and I didn't at the time think, oh, this is going to be my business. I was just like, I want to learn and grow. And, and at the time I had my sights set on being a, like the director of content and UX strategy at this marketing firm. And that's what I was going for. So I joined a mastermind group. And if you're not familiar, a mastermind group is like a, a group of like three or four people that kind of peer mentor each other and uh, they challenge each other. You get time in the hot seat to like, for them to like really grill you and say like, why did you make this decision? Why did you make this decision? Ooh. It's really good. It's really spicy. It's really good. Um, so yeah, I was part of a mastermind for two years. And during that time, um, I realized like, oh, oh, I, I don't need to like rely on the system that's already in place. Like Huge. I'm making a little bit of money through Patreon for the right now podcast, what would it look like to scale that? And I learned the word scale and I started just learning different business terms. And I finally got to a point where over Thanksgiving, I think Thanksgiving of 2016, um, I shut myself in the basement and I was like, I'm going to make a business plan. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but I had heard uh, from an entrepreneurial podcast that I was listening to that I needed at least seven sources of income, like seven different income streams uh, just so that your eggs aren't all in one basket. So like if you make a course and the course doesn't sell, you're not like out of luck, right? Because mm. then you've got six other things that are bringing in money and you're safe. And so um, I started uh, naming different ways that I could make money. And it turned out there were a lot of them. And that was really I exciting. That. I picked up freelance writing. I picked up ghost writing. I picked up public speaking. I was writing for Forbes for a while. Um, I had my two podcasts then that were bringing in money from Patreon. Um, and then after I did that, I was like, okay, okay, we can do this. And then the next step was building up a financial runway, which meant how can you cushion yourself? How can you set yourself up for success so that when your airplane of your own business takes off, it doesn't just like smash down to the ground right mm -hmm. away. Like how can you give yourself space to take off successfully? And so, um, we made sure that, uh, so with, with all these extra things I was doing in addition to my day job, and again, I hesitate to recommend this because I ended up so burned out from this because, you know, I would go to a coffee shop at five in the morning. I would write for two hours. I would go to my day job. I would come home. I would do some ghost writing projects or some freelance stuff. And then I would just like crash in bed. And I did that for like yeah. two years. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like that income and then the income from all these other things I was doing allowed me to build up a little bit of a window um, so that, you know, if I left my day job, we would be safe. Yeah. And amazing. So, yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of how that went, but it really came together with joining a mastermind group, realizing that I needed a couple of different income streams to, to help uh, stability. And then um, yeah, making that business plan. There's so many things there that resonate for yeah. us. I think like, and we don't 
we never really articulated the um, multiple income streams. We, we don't really articulate enough, but that's, it's so true. Like yeah. I think often when people think, oh, well, how could I ever make money just from selling one book? It's like, even even a lot of you know people traditionally published people don't make money from their they one book. It's which like, is mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you've got to really think about it as a holistic thing, um, which sounds super daunting, but it's really just like a, a lot of them end up being passive in some ways, or um, you're not it's not like you're constantly all working in on seven on things. Every single one of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Oh but gosh, just, yeah, that's yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's just like having the ability to keep get multiple streams up and running. A lot of um, a lot of creatives have a lot of issues with this, and I get a lot of messages from people being like, "I just want to do my one thing," mm-hmm. and I really like resonate and I see them, and I'm like, "I get it," and like, you know, maybe you can like, and in terms of like, if you're an author and you want to just write, then you need a lot of books, you know, but maybe you can just write, um, mm-hmm. and you know, and I'm not saying you can't do anything. You, I mean, everything is possible, but there is definitely a lot of resistance there. Did you have resistance in terms of needing all of it, or did you find it creatively exciting? Oh gosh. Um, it was creatively exciting at first because I'm the type of person that like, I have shiny new project syndrome. Right. Where it's yes, like, you're not creative. So yes. Yeah. So if it was like, <laughs> oh, I get to ghostwrite this new book. Hooray. Yeah. Oh, I get to write this article. Hooray. But then like halfway through each thing, I would be like, I want to be done ghostwriting this book. Yeah. And I just want to work on my own stuff. And it, mm-hmm. it is frustrating. It's so frustrating. Um, Gosh, and I wish I had like some really good advice. Yeah, I mean, me you know, too. Like, yeah, but it, I don't. And it's <laughs> it just is what like, it the is. advice is just you gotta yeah. still make sure that you're you're resting and you're hydrating and you're making room for what you love despite everything else. Yes. And it's just, you know, I love your point too that so many so many other authors, and I think honestly, it's most published authors have a day job. Mm. Um, I'm good friends with KB Wagers, who is a, a sci-fi writer. She's on her third commissioned like book series for tour and she still yeah she she still works a day job she manages uh like an auto mechanic shop or something like I think that we have this really um and it's it's from the gatekeepers like legacy mm -hmm. we have this really romanticized version of what it is to be a creator and we do one thing and that one thing makes us lots of money and that's how we want to do it and then people Mm -hmm. get attached to this story and when in reality I don't even know if we're made to just do that one thing like I like what we were talking about before Sarah like you are Sarah and you are like you know you contain multitudes of creative potential like and there's so many fucking cool things that you can do and same with me and same with James that we, I am an author, mm-hmm. but I also love to speak. And James also loves to game. And like, we have so many different complex parts of ourselves that can be bought out creatively and can be making money. And if we get attached to that romantic story of, I want to be an author and just write, and I don't want anything else to interrupt me. I don't think, well, one, it's not as reasonable. And if we want to truly be like financially abundant and stable and working for ourselves, like, you know, like we all do. Uh, then we need to have that space to look at other realms of creativity and and to see it as fun and play and really exciting and just kind of divorcing ourselves from this romantic idea that I think is holding a lot of us back. Mm -hmm. Oh, I struggle with this so much. Can I tell you? Mm -hmm. Um, Like I'm one of those people who goes through Instagram, right? And I'm looking at other writers on Instagram and like I see a laptop and a latte or I see like a laptop and a journal and I'm like, wouldn't it be nice? And then I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a full-time podcaster and writer. Like, 
why am I daydreaming about this other part? Like, just because it looks pretty, right? And like you said, it's romanticized. And, mm. and I think we go into, we go into this thinking like, I'm just going to be happy 24 hours a day. I'm going to write. And, and I think we even forget that writing is difficult sometimes and it's you know, <laughs> a struggle and it's not always lattes and flowing no. sentences. Um, we were listening to um Ryan, I think it was Ryan Halliday's holidays mm. podcast the other day, and he was talking about oh, and he was on with Malcolm Gladwell mm. and they were talking about their writing process and how do they write, when do they write? And Malcolm Gladwell was like, you know, I, like my writing is like an hour of my day. Yeah. And he's like, I think people who aren't writers think that I'm writing from like nine to five. And Ryan was like, Yeah, like I only write for like a tiny bit of time a day. And you know, for those of us who get really entrenched in this romantic idea of being a full-time writer, it's like most of us only write like a tiny amount each day. Professional full-time writers write a tiny amount each day. We don't need the whole fucking day. And I think a lot oh, of it comes no, from like no. people who really don't like their job and they're like, well, all I want is this out and maybe I might out in my book. And then when that doesn't materialize or when the book doesn't free them from the job, it's like, well, actually maybe the problem was the job, not the fact that you didn't have a published novel. Mm. And that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know how to reconcile that or what advice I would give to those people, but um, it's just, there's you need a lot to of pressure put it. on the art. Like there's a lot of pressure yeah. on that single piece of art. Yeah. Have you read um, So Good They Can't Ignore You? No. Okay. Cal what Newport. It? Oh, it's Cal. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And actually, I'm in the middle of Laziness Does Not Exist because of the recommendation. Oh, great. By Devin. Wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's a good book. Um, but yeah, So Good They Can't Ignore You talks about the expectations we have in finding joy and fulfillment in our work. Mm. And it, it looks at... Um, should your passion become your work? And like, mm -hmm. that's the central question of this book. And like, I don't want to spoil it for you, but he ends up with a very, I was very surprised by the outcome and essentially advocates for doing work that feels good and okay. And, but then also doing what you're passionate about over here <coughs> and like learning to fall in love with the mundane work, but also, you know, having your passion project on the side. And I was like, that is not the conclusion I thought this book was going to come to. Mm -hmm. I thought this was going to be like, rah, 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 quit your job, mm -hmm. like go write your book. But it, it's it's such an interesting and convincing argument for, um, for the day job and for not pinning your entire life and hopes for success on your creative work. Because like you were just saying, it, it dampens you a little bit. And I discovered that too. I started season one of Girl in Space for fun. Like, it was an experiment. I was full-time employed. Um, I was making money. Didn't have to worry about the show making money. Season two, you know, I'm on my own and I'm like, huh, this has to do great. Or, the you pressure, know, I'm going to yeah. go work at Starbucks, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Liz Gilbert talks about that a lot too. It, I'll be honest, like it really triggers me. <laughs> mm. Um, I don't we can change it. the subject if you want. No, no, it's okay. good. It's really good that we talk okay. about it. It triggers me because um when I wasn't doing what I loved, when I was really struggling and all I wanted to do was create, was I just saw these successful people being like, Oh, well, just fall in love with your normal job. And I was just so fucking angry at that. And I was like, fuck off. All I want to do is create. And so when I read books like that, I always it's still that like damaged part. Oh, it's like a hurt, a wounded part of me. It's like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get defensive because you're like, I cannot do this. Like I tried to do this and mm. I've had similar instances at my day jobs where it's, you know, 
it wasn't maybe necessarily the work that I disliked, but it was like micromanaging or yeah. dress code or, you know, whatever, having to ask to use the bathroom. It's just like right. so many little indignities. Right. Yeah. And, and that just makes, I, I keep saying like, I never want to work for anyone else ever again. And yeah. maybe that'll be true for the rest of my life because what I don't, what I mean when I say that is I don't want to ask for permission and go to the bathroom. I don't want to have to wear pantyhose. Like I don't want to, and I know it sounds like really demanding and really entitled, but at the same time, it's like, yeah. <laughs> right. And like, like, that's so what much, I didn't yeah. like. I hated that. Like the yeah. what me and James really talk about this a lot. Like our number one priority in our life is autonomy. We want autonomy. <laughs> like all of our business decisions, all of our choices need to lead towards that main value. And my, our main value, shared main value is autonomy. And I just don't want anyone to fucking tell me what to do. And so there, yeah, I completely resonate. Like even if I wasn't creative, I would have done everything I possibly could have done not to work in an office. Like I would have done anything. Mm. It's just so anathema to me. Like I can't, like, I get literally when I think about going back and working in an office, I feel nauseous. Like mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. cannot comprehend it. And that, I think that's when mm-hmm. a, a lot of, I don't know where I, really where I'm going with that, but it's just like, there's a difference between that and being like, I have to be a full-time writer. Like they're not the same yeah. thing. Yeah. They're different things. Um, I think this conversation just always needs to be nuanced yeah. and we always mm-hmm. need to, yeah. It, I mean, I think, you know, it's a real, again, it's the romanticized creative life, right? Like quit your job and do one thing full-time forever and ever. Like it just needs to be a more complicated, more individualized, more nuanced conversation about what it is you actually are struggling with, what it is you actually yeah. want to do, what creative potential do you have and how are you going to play with it and create a life that you're in love with? Yeah, Amy actually called me out on this the other day when I was like, I don't understand why all these bitter authors and they're just like, they're like, I don't make any money for my novel. And I'm like, well, why don't they just like coach? Or why don't they just do, um, mm. why don't they just uh, teach or something? And Amy was like, not everyone wants to be a teacher, James. And I sometimes I forget that as well. And it is really hard. Like it's, some people don't just, they don't, they really genuinely just, as you were saying earlier, Amy and Sarah, it's like some people really do just want to write. And it's like, and that's totally valid, but it, it does probably make it a little bit harder. It does, yeah. Well, and, and I think the question then can be, okay, how do we make that happen? Yeah. yeah. And for me, that was the big question that led to me creating a business plan. I was like, okay, I want to write and I can write and I can make money freelancing. I can do that with ghost writing. Um, so I cool. can do that with public speaking. So like, and there, so that I want to say also just like, so we're not totally Debbie Downers, like there's, <laughs> there's ways to do it. You might oh my God, look at us. Yeah. I mean, look yes. at us. Yes. Yes. Totally. Like, yeah. There, there's so many different ways that you can make money doing what you love. It's just, you might not be working on your novel eight hours a day, but yeah, exactly. and you like shouldn't Malcolm be anyway. Gladwell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You shouldn't and even anyway. Malcolm Gladwell, you know, he's doing other stuff and he doesn't just, I'm sure he could probably, he could survive off just his novel if he wanted to, but he's speaking and he's doing journalist, journalism work and, you know, he's got his podcast as well. And it's just like, I think it's just opening your mind up to this multifaceted creative thing rather than, <laughs> pigeonholing yourself into one thing yeah. just makes also makes the journey easier yeah totally we've got to recognize just the, the again as I said the multitudes that we hold within us and the different ways we can be making impact Love so that. good I want to talk about the future of podcasting and like where podcasting is going yeah big time because yeah, yeah. obviously you're a lot more embedded in the podcast world than we are like you know we we kind of just turn up on a Thursday <laughs> and we go for it I mean, but I feel That's like you know, so you're, you've, been, you've been in the game for a lot longer than us. Like you've seen it evolving over the last few years. First of all, like where do you, what's the difference do you think between now and when you started? Was it 
back in was it 2015 you started right now mm-hmm. so what do you see what's the difference now and then where do you see podcasting I guess once another six yeah. seven years have passed yeah uh when I so when I first started it was largely indie um there were things like Gimlet existed and Radiotopia existed and there were a few other um you know, kind of conglomerates or networks that existed, but it was really just largely like a wild west. Like I said earlier, it was very uh, 80% male. It was just very uh, heavy on like real estate and religion and all, you know, sort of that kind of podcast. And there were, there were a few audio dramas at the time, like Limetown and Welcome to Night Vale existed. And they're both really fantastic. If you're interested in getting into audio drama writing, I definitely recommend listening to those shows. Um, and also we're alive, which is a zombie horror story. So those were all sort of like the early adapters. Um, and again, uh, all created by men because that's just who was podcasting. Uh, so then over the years that I was in it, I noticed a shift. I was going to podcasting conferences and stuff. And I just noticed like, oh, there's more women here this year. There's more people of color here this year. Um, there's more, uh, LGBTQ community people here. There's more non-binary and trans people here. And it's, it's really been really beautiful to see it, uh, to see the, the podcasting crowd, like diversify so much more. Uh, I've really loved to see that. Yeah. Do you think that the, um, fact that it is a bit more of an open source kind of like, it's a, the play field's playing field's a bit more level. Do you think that that makes it a better platform than a lot of the kind of traditional media platforms or, or, and is makes it easier for it to be a more diverse platform? Yes, I do. I do. I do. And also, you know, you were talking about autonomy before. Um, I noticed that it's, it's cause I've ghostwritten books now and I've worked um, on, on some TV stuff uh, and it's so autonomous. Like it's just, it's so freeing to work mm. on a podcast. You do not have to have execs approve anything. I mean, unless you're, now this, we're getting into the future of podcasting where I think there will be, it'll be more heavily network dominated. Um, but I do think that there is still so much room um, for indie creators as long as we continue to like lift each other up. And that was really, um, that was really something that I enjoyed seeing too, was I kind of came from like lurking around in, in the book world. And I saw a lot of backstabbing on Twitter and mm-hmm. um, I just heard stories of like, not great things happening and authors kind of like you stole my audience or blah, blah, blah. Whereas in podcasting, when I first started, it was just like, Hey, we love podcasting. Let's all (laughs) hug. And like the first convention I went to was just like a big party. And I was like, I love this vibe. How good. Um, Everybody was very supportive because everybody was indie and we realized, Hey, there's not a lot of podcasts. Uh, I want to say when I first started, I'm probably going to get this wrong because it's been years since I've looked at these numbers. Um, it was like something like 2000 to one, the ratio of blogs to podcasts. Wow. And so it started like there were, I think fewer than 750,000 podcasts today in 20, what are we? 2021. Uh, there's over 2 million podcasts, but that's still not that many. Like think about how many books are in the world. no, no, there's like something like 10,000 books are published every day or every week. I don't know. There's like a huge number of books published every day. There's only 2 million podcasts. And most, so, a lot of them probably are inactive as well. Oh gosh. Yeah, exactly. 75% of them are inactive. So this that means platform that is so fucking cool. 
Everyone needs a fucking podcast. <laughs> yes, make a podcast. It, you will, well, I was going to say you won't regret it, but I can't guarantee that you might. <laughs> no <but>. promises. <laughs> no promises. You will enjoy it probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's in, it's the landscape has leaned more toward, you know, you see like famous people getting into it. Uh, you have like Q Code Media that has, um, shoot, I can't remember her name, but she's amazing. Uh, Chloe Grace Mertz is in one of theirs. Uh, Baraska stars, um, the guy from Riverdale, Cole Sprouse, I think. So you're, oh, yeah, yeah. you're starting to see more like big names get into not only podcasting, but into audio drama, which has cool. always been like a little 2% niche of the mm. whole podcasting ecosystem. So both of them are growing. Both of them are seeing more star power come in. But we are still in a place where if you want to create a podcast, you make a recording, you submit it to Apple, and then you're out there and you're next to Cole Sprouse and you're next to RuPaul's Drag Race and you're, you know, whatever, you're in the same playing field as all of these other amazing creators. Um, And, and just, so I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I think we're going to continue to see again, more networks coming in. And I've noticed too, um, I joined, so the, the Writers Guild of America, which probably has no bearing on anyone most people listening. So if you're in the United States and you want to start a podcast or you want to start an audio drama, join the Writers Guild of America East. They are looking to uh, help lift up indie podcast projects. That's cool. Um, so, we're, so we're getting some love from the Writers Guild, which is really nice. But even as things like that come in, uh, I noticed that there's like a more, more call for um, more like Hollywood type procedural things behind the scenes. Like the bureaucracy. Oh, exactly. So the bureaucracy is creeping in. We got to go quick, guys. Yeah, today. yeah. So get in here. Get in here. Create your podcast while the yeah. while the bureaucracy is not looking. Um, but yeah, so there there is room still for creators, and I think there will continue to be room, just as there's still uh, room, and in fact, arguably more room uh, for indie book publishing. Um, I think I think it's very similar uh, for indie podcast publishing. Um, and so one cool. other thing that I've noticed and experienced is that. Um, other mediums like TV and movies are looking to podcasts. They're looking to mine IPs or intellectual properties from the podcasting world. And so it's just another little cherry on top. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Interested. So, oh, so I I'm think, so glad we've like got to talk about this because I think it is so exciting. I think a big advantage of the pod, of a podcast, say versus like an indie book, is that every all podcasts feel a bit indie. Even mm. like even the big ones feel a little bit like. Indie, whereas if you publish an indie book, obviously you can be really successful, but it feels like there's a less, it feels different to a big HarperCollins or a big Penguin publish. Like it just, there's just a different aura around it, I think. Yeah. Um, whereas mm-hmm. you can't really tell. On no. Podcasts. And like, no one, no one really knows how many people are listening to your podcast. Like no one really knows. But that's what I love. Yeah. There's like, no one will know if you I mean, are having zero people listen. We or... barely know how many people listen Again, to podcast. Yeah. It is a bad back end. Like, it's so hard to found good, find good analytics on your podcast. I don't know if you, you've probably got something better organized than we do, but it's like. I use Libsyn. Right. We, we use Podtrack and it's just like, sometimes <laughs> it's just like, ah, oh, no, we don't know for that one. Sorry. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, we don't care. Yeah. It's yeah, very You freeing. can't really invest yourself in those numbers. Exactly. No, it is exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's like, no one's going to know if no one listens to your podcast. Yeah. Which yeah. Which is really cool, I think. Right. It's very cool. uh, Yeah. And it's not as you don't have to pay for like 20,000 hardback copies of your book. Like seriously, you just talk into a microphone and release the file. And it's aside from hosting, it's pretty much free. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. For all the procrastinators out there who are like, this is a cool idea and it resonates. Um, the mics you can buy can be really fucking cheap and good quality. And you just don't need to put that much effort into it and don't make mm-hmm. it perfect. Mm-hmm. Also, you don't need you someone to have. edit it. Mm-mm. We don't edit anything, obviously. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love listening to your show. It's just so, it's so just deeply authentic and it's beautiful. And people <laughs> like you. that. I think people look for that. Like if a, if a, if a podcast is like too polished mm. or too produced, you'll see that in the reviews and the comments, people will be like, this is really, it's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think people are searching for a real connection, not mm-hmm. not something too shiny. This platform is just very, very cool. I'm so like delighted talking about this. And I just think I just want people to hear about how beautiful and like, it's just such fertile soil, I think. It is. Oh, it is. Mm. So talk to, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your day-to-day because I feel like people really love to hear yeah. about the day-to-day of full-time Yeah, people creators. do like, like that. What, what does a week look like for Sarah? <laughs> like, I mean, maybe it's, don't have to, it doesn't have to be Obviously, maybe things are a bit different day to day, but what's a typical or like an average week like for you? Yeah. Okay. So I recently um, decided to start taking myself more seriously. Love um, that. Yeah. It's 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 hard to do. It's really it hard is. to do. So um, my creative time is eight to noon. So I wake up. Uh, I have a routine. I'm also new into routines. It's very big <laughs> routines and habits. So I wake up, uh, I turn on the coffee maker, I feed the cats, I make the coffee and I go into my office and I shut the door. And uh, from eight to noon, I have the time blocked off. I don't write for four hours straight. I don't write from eight to noon, but from eight to noon, I exist in a space where I can be creative. And usually if you have that space between eight to noon, Uh, if you have four hours set aside, I think it works out like you end up creating for two of those hours, which is perfect for me and perfect for my project that I'm currently working on. Um, And, you know, during that, you know, you you go make more coffee, use the bathroom, you look out the window for a while, you get lost on Instagram or Twitter, and you regret it. And then you come back and you're like, okay, let's focus again. Um, But that that morning section, having that set aside just for creative space has been very, very valuable for me. Um, then from 12 to two, uh, I take a little break and I have lunch and I go for a walk and then I come back and I take care of all of the business stuff. So I come back at two from a walk and I do email, I do finance. Cause like, again, it's so weird being essentially a small business owner. You know, I've got to file taxes. I've got to, Mm -hmm. you know, do all that unpleasant stuff. I have to like, I have an assistant. So I have to like pay my assistant. I have to like get my show notes written for the next right now podcast episode. Uh, Some days uh, I record it like two for another right now episode. Um, And then I have a hard cutoff at like four, between four and 5 p.m., and my partner, Tim, and I make dinner and we go about our evening. Lovely. And yeah, it's, it's so, I, do, I don't like structure. I'm, I'm one of those people who I'm like, I want to create when I feel like creating, mm. but you have to create space for you to be able to feel like creating, you know, uh, w- within that space. But I can also tell you, so that, that's what my schedule looks like working for myself. And in the evening, like after five Um, I'll do, I'll play video games or I'll read or I'll journal. Um, And it's just such a nice way to like end the day. Mm -hmm. Um, But back when I was working for the bank and the marketing, uh, marketing firm, um, I would get up early and I would write for like 30 minutes 
this is before, this is back when I was working on novels. So this is before I took on all of the ghost writing and freelance writing projects. So I would write before work, go to work, come home and like have dinner and then make some really strong coffee and like write between like 8 PM and 10 PM. And yeah. So, I mean, you kind of make it. I love to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. amazing. I really love that you've managed to find space for yourself to honor the fact that you don't like structure, but also honor the fact that you're taking yourself seriously and, and you need to make room for that creativity. I think it's a beautiful way to do it. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. That's a lovely balance. I think, you know, you're, you're so right. Like if you just sit and just hope it happens at some point in the day, I think it's really, really difficult, but um, to give yourself that window, I think is so smart. It's so awesome. I feel like it's that it's a real mothering thing to me. It's like, here you go, beautiful inner child. You've got this time to this time. You can do it, you know, whenever you want, whenever the mood strikes, you create, but this is the time frame. And it's just so yeah. gentle and lovely, but also firm. And I really like that. I love that. I learned that concept from you. Like, that's just like, that blew my mind. The fact that you could be kind to yourself in the pages <laughs> of your journal. And like, <laughs> Like if you guys are listening to this and you haven't taken Amy's journaling course, like it will change how you think about yourself, which is everything. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it changed my life too. Like just learning how to look after myself like that was complete game changer. And how do you find being a business owner? Like, do you find the business side of it annoying? Like, is that the sort of bit that you wish you could get out of the way quickly? Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you? Um, yeah. So it, when you're first starting out, you have to do it well, you don't have to do everything yourself. Maybe you're independently wealthy, whatever. I had to do everything myself and I still do like, I edit my own shows and I still do all of that stuff. Um, but I, I found that you can't really do everything. And that as you level up as a business person, as a business owner, um, you have to start delegating. And so mm -hmm. it, it really, um, I don't know if you've read uh, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, uh, but he talks about like, what is, what is it you're really good at? What is it that you're, he calls it the zone of genius. Like, what is it that, um, the work that you can do that no one else can do. And like, for me, that is writing my show, you know, working on the right now podcast, uh, doing a couple other things. And then what can you delegate? Like, what can somebody else do potentially better than you? And so I ended up, you know, after I built up some funds, I hired an assistant who like posts my show and takes care of the metadata and stuff and answers my emails. Email was my big nightmare, um, but she handles my emails. Oh my God. So it's so beautiful. But it's like, man, if we could get someone to deal with your Instagram DMs, like, I feel like it would just save. Oh my gosh, that. Like, get yeah. someone to do, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my assistant does my Instagram. Mm -hmm. Ah, cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. It's such a huge lesson for creatives in business because we are not going to be good at everything. We're probably going to mm -hmm. be pretty shit at stuff. Mm -hmm. I know I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when we get to that stage where we can start investing and paying others to do it, fucking hell, you just got to take the leap. Yeah. Yeah. And it does yeah, pay I mean, for itself. It pays yeah. for itself, yeah. I mean, looking at our, we're doing our taxes at the moment and looking at how much we spent on paying people to do stuff for us. It was almost half of everything we made, to be honest. Mm -hmm. was. But we would never have made the amount we made without exactly. doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And I've learned exactly the same thing. Exactly. And I'm kind of Amy's free assistant, really. Yeah. Like, I kind of so, want yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. 
I love it. Well, it's funny too. My partner, Tim, um, also for years was my assistant. Um, and is also, you know, he is also creative and, um, is working on his own show. And so, I love that. but then like, as he got more serious and professional about his show, then that's when I hired the assistant. Cause I was nice. like, nice. Oh. Oh, I, I love, I love hearing about that. Like, I'm glad you're successful, but at the same time, <laughs> I'm less successful, so I, I can have my assistant back. <laughs> I love hearing about creative couples. It's so lovely to witness witness people doing this magic together. Yes, yes. And it's better now for our relationship, too, that he's not essentially my assistant, because that, like, builds a weird power dynamic. A- <laughs> I'm always like, like, I'm your boss. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay, wait, now I'm not your boss anymore. Let's hang out. <laughs> uh, just, uh, it, just awkward. Yeah. He's like, it'd be great if we have this done by Tuesday. And then like Tuesday comes along and it's not done. And she's like, I did say Tuesday, but I guess it's fine Wednesday. It's just like a little <laughs> bit of like a, you can't really, she can't really tell me what to do. And I must be really annoying yeah. to work with, but. No, but yeah. Like, what do you do? Like you can't yeah. fire him, but also. You you know, fire him. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, also Amy's a much that. harder worker than me. So like, she'll mm-hmm. just be like, I can't believe you haven't put this done by Tuesday. Yeah. And I'll be like, Hey, I, I had to play Dark Souls. I had to play it. Like, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's a journey, but it's mostly magical one. It yeah. is. It is yeah, the mostly magical journey. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> it's a good way to describe the creative life. Mostly mm-hmm. magical. Mostly magical. Some mundane. <sighs> well, I feel like we've got through all of my dot pointed things here. Is there anything else that you? What do you? Like yeah, you on working on anything? That you want to? Anything you want to plug? Or... <laughs> oh gosh. Um. Let's see. What do What do I want to? I don't know. You guys have already done such a great job of like, telling people about <laughs> we my were stuff. really big fans. <laughs> you did it for me. Um. If people want to like hang out with me, learn more about me. I don't know why I said hang out with me because like What's digitally like, maybe is what I mean. Yeah, digitally. Yeah, I was yeah. actually going to say something that I really like about the Right Now podcast is oh, even though you. it is a lot more polished than ours it still feels like just sitting in a room with Sarah and hanging out hanging out yeah it does it really I wanted it to feel like people were having coffee with me yeah it's exactly what it feels like yeah thank you but yeah thank you gosh um so yeah so people can find me over at sarahwerner.com that's just s-a-r-e-h-w-e-r-n-e-r.com uh and there's just like links to all my stuff I've got um my newsletter you can sign up for I've got my two podcasts um, all my future projects will be there. If you want to nice. work with a public speaker that's out there, I've got a TEDx talk that's out there. If you want to check that out, just a lot of stuff and it's all free. So like, go, go, go avail go yourself. Go have a browsy. Yeah. Love, love it. Out. <laughs> Amazing, Sarah. Well, we're so grateful for you. I'm so greatness, grateful to get to witness you and to work with you. We just thank you. like, thank God you're in our lives. Well, <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. Wow. That is, that is- the most beautiful and gracious thing I've heard in a really long time. So thank you. <laughs> and, and absolutely the same for both of you, Amy, your work, um, your Instagram and your journaling course and your inspired collective have really changed my life and helped me grow as a creator as well. So I just want to say how grateful I am thank to you. you. Um, and I have my cat who is now deciding she wants <laughs> to hang out on my microphone. It's time, mommy. <laughs> <You're done. laughs> time for petting. <laughs> oh, well, thank you thank so you much, both. Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you.